Indiana Runner Podcast, Season 3, Episode 4. Taylor and I talk about the Indiana Runner showcases, go through a little bit of training, and even reflect on hopefully the end of this long pandemic. All right, let's hit it. What? Did we just become best friends? Yup. Do you want to go do karate in the garage? Yup. All right, Colin Altavote, Taylor Marshall, here for your early indoor roundup. We just had the Indiana Runner Showcase meets 48 hours ago. Uh, in fact, it ended exactly 48 hours ago. It's about 8.30 tonight on Monday. We want to go through our winners here of the individual events, and then we just got some other kind of quick topics to go through. It's, it's been an exciting start to the season, though, huh? Absolutely. Yeah, we get to see a lot of really great competition um, on Saturday, but then also throughout the state and outside of the state. So a lot of kids running hard early, putting up some really fast times, um, sort of giving us an early sneak peek at what things might look like in a while. So let's run through our winners here. And if you got anything, chime in, certainly. At the Sprint Showcase, in the 60 dash, it was Avon's Alana Springer, 778. That's good for number two in Indiana so far to Ramaya Elliott. In the boys' 60 dash, Jalen Reeves-Lyle from Warren. That is the number one time, 100th of a second ahead of Brownsburg's John Colquitt. Those seem to be two guys that will probably be vying for potentially individual state titles outdoors, right? Uh, yeah, that's a standout time right there. Um, that's really impressive early on. And uh, to just nudge Colquitt out of his spot, um, I'll be excited to see the two of those guys race head to head, probably for the first time in the HSR finals. But I, I couldn't tell you where uh, those two schools will be competing over the next few weeks. But that'll be a fun uh, time, at least in Bloomington. Yeah, and Colquitt wasn't at the uh sprint showcase he was at one of the earlier meets um, we'll talk about him in a little bit but yeah might he be in the 60 dash might he be in the 60 hurdles may he be in both who knows uh, we'll find out here in the next few weeks girls 60 hurdles this was the star of the show last june in blue no, not in bloomington at ben davis and that was uh reese sanders of cathedral 925 she that was not her best time indoors but she does have the uh state number one in the 60 hurdles and the boys' 60 hurdles, Knox Willis from Zionsville, 829. That's state number two to the aforementioned John Colquitt. Girls 200 double winner, Alana Springer from Avon, 2595. State number two, also to Ramaya Elliott. And in the boys' 200, this guy is incredible. He's having a very, very good indoor season. And that's Nair Nuash Campbell from Plainfield, 2272. That's state number one in the 200, and he has the number one time in the 400 and just missed the 400 indoor record. He ran 48, mid 48 high already. That was in yeah, Kentucky was, on that oversized track. Yeah, I was going to say I was down there, and I, I was at that meet and got to watch him run. And, yeah, the benefit of the oversized track is uh, definitely uh, evident there in his time. But um, well, still smaller than a 400 track, right? Still smaller, but uh, he was rolling um, in a very competitive heat. Um, yeah, that was it was incredible. That's a, a very, very fast time early on. So um, he's going to be set up well for later on. Yeah, interested year. to see what he'll do in the, in the 200 and in the 400 in the uh, in the state state tournament, the outdoor state tournament. 
Yeah. Uh, girls 400, Reese Sanders, a double winner. So the girls side, we had, we had two double winners, uh, 60 and 200 and 60 hurdles and 400. Reese ran 60.05. So just over one minute. And that's the number two time in Indiana. And in the boys 400, Warsaw's Jeremy Johnson, 51.32. Not his best in the indoor season, but he does have the state's number three time. He's been pretty active indoors. Yeah, the benefits of having a great facility up there at, at Warsaw, right? He's running really well early on. Um, you know, Reese Sanders, again, really solid. Like, like you said, this, the star of the show uh, back at Ben Davis in, uh, in May or, or June, when the exact date was. Um, maybe it was June 3rd. But, uh, yeah, re- I thought, again, really strong early season times. Um, but, you know, uh, be excited to see, especially Sanders here, um, in a couple more months. She's incredible too, because she's, you know, so she won the 60 hurdles and then she won the 400 and those are not exactly comparable events, right? One of them is a, is a one minute race and one of them is a nine second or so race, but she can do basically anything. And I think she's actually going, I know she's going to Notre Dame. I think she's going for uh heptathlon. Yeah, that would be impressive to see her in a couple of the field events in that area, right? I mean, you could see, okay, she'll probably long jump really well, but what does she, what does she throw the shot and, you know, that kind of thing. So um, just an incredible all-around athlete. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe her best event is the 300 hurdles. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll see that again, uh, you know, down the line. Obviously a good combination of the two. So I wonder uh, if she gets to Notre Dame and finds out her best events, actually the 800. You would, you would pull her up to the eight? The distance coach. I, she, I, I think she's run like last year indoors. I think she ran under 220, like pretty yeah. significantly. I mean, I, th- I think she could be a, you know, you, you don't put, when you've got a, an athlete like that, you don't want to, when you do the 800, we were just talking about this before, because, you know, some of the kids that we coach, that the 800 takes a lot out of you. So if you've got Reese Sanders on your track team, especially if it's in, you're in title contention as Cathedral was last year, they won the 800 takes a lot more out of you. So you'd rather do multiple events that don't take quite as much out of you and you can, you can keep going. Um, But I, I don't know. I'm also just always guys like 800, keep moving up, keep Keep moving up up to get to the 800. The indoor multi on the women's side, does that finish with an 800? I think it does. I want to, in fact, I I think the heptathlon does because the, the decathlon, the men's decathlon finishes with a 1500. But I think the women's heptathlon finishes with an 800. I'm almost positive. Yeah. Okay. Well, we may have an answer to our question within the next, you know, 12 months or so. And I think at one point she did have one of the, like one of the, one of the country's best indoor. I, I don't know if it's, it might be a pentathlon in high school or something, but yes, she I, had, she had one of the right, she had one of the highest scores and the scores based off adding up all your performances in the various events. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure that's what she's going to college for. But while she's there, I'm sure they can use her in a lot of different events as her high school team has done. Yeah. In the distance showcase, we'll go in the order, in the order of events. So sprints, we did order of uh, distance. This one will do order of events. Girls, 1200, uh, Noblesville, Summer, Rempe, 346. So just over the pace for a five minute, 1600. On the boys' 1200, it was, uh, I, I believe it's Dubois, Bennett Dubois from Hamilton Southeastern in 314. So just under the pace for a 420. 
1600 and the HSE boys went one, two. That was, you know, like contender in the, in the cross country season. Um, yeah. So Garrett Hicks was second. I think Dubois is going to Butler and Hicks is going to Indiana. Girls 3,200. You, you normally don't get to see the events in this order, but the girls 3,200 was first. Nikki Sutherland of Delta, the state's number two time, 1057. And it's listed as Ethan Moore, but we were talking about this. We're pretty sure that this is Jack Moore from Northridge. Yeah, I think it is Jack from Northridge, um, who had placed eighth at the state meet this past fall, but came through at a 926 to win the 3,200. Right ahead of Center Groves, uh, Parker Mimbelli, uh, with his second place finish in their 927. So, so two under 930, pretty, pretty good early times. Yeah, especially for, yeah, end of February right there. Yeah. Um, Sutherland uh, had run earlier at an Indiana runner meet um, and, you know, I had won uh, mm-hmm. and you were, you were there and it was you basically, it. she was just out there on, on her own. Right. Yeah. And, and it was, seemed like it was pretty similar here at both of these that she won pretty comfortably. I mean, she is, there are a lot of good girls right now in uh, Indiana distance running but she is certainly in that, in that top tier. And, and really there's, there's maybe two that are all time grades that have their, their past performances have separated them even from this great field, but she's certainly in that group that kind of, I don't want to call it the second tier, but the, the first tier, the tier of, of mere, one, mere yeah. mortals. Tier one B maybe, you know. And she in that other meet, the 1600 was first. So she was able to, that's, and that's typically the, the, the order of events. In the girls 800, uh, Floyd's Jaden Serencione outleans Carmel freshman Olivia Sebelo, both of them in 219. Anything on that? Probably not. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good race. And then the boys 800, uh, Old King Cole, Cole Matheson, 153.7. I believe that was the only meet record broken, um, at least at the distance showcase. Austin Muds, 153.9 in 2011 was the record. So um, Cole Matheson, 153, wins the 800. He won by about seven seconds, I believe. And the girls 1600. Nikki Sutherland of Delta and 459. I had thought there were five girls that had broken five minutes for the 1600 this year. And you informed me that it's actually seven. Altogether, the number is seven. You want me to run down the list? Yes. All right. We've got, by the way, it's, it's not March yet. If you're yeah. listening to it, it's probably March, but it, right now it is February 28th. Well, they might listen to it February 29th or February 30th or something, February 31st. I mean, they're like, oh, no. All right. We're going to get into the, well, the Thomas Jefferson winning the horse race on February 30th. Yeah, we're not allowed to talk about Thomas Jefferson anymore. Right. Farley, Ranta, Serencione, Wiley, Polizza, Canablo, and Sutherland are your seven girls who on February 28th, 2022, have broke uh have broken five uh whether that's a what one um Serencio and hers was a, a full mile uh conversion but she was still under for the full um and the others were 1600 but um seven already and if you wanted to mention the fact that two of the all-time girls that you had just talked about and Sophia Kennedy and Lily Cridge I didn't even say their names they have yet to compete and that event anyway I know Kennedy ran a, a very fast 
3,200 time earlier on. And I don't believe Lily Cridge has raced yet, but you have to correct me if I was wrong, but there, but um, not seen her. Yeah. Seven right there without uh, the two all timers. Um, what an incredibly deep girls mile field right now. Yeah, potentially, but it also might be none of them. Right. I mean, if that's, that's an interesting decision process. And I suppose if you're, if you're coaching one of those girls, especially if it's not one of the top two, the top two, I think in my mind being Lily Cridge or Addison Wiley, someone that has already gotten the individual state championship and track. Okay. I guess you just, you just go with what event you think is your best event or what event you like to do the best and just don't worry about matching up against everyone else because there's just too many people. There's too many things to worry about. Yeah. I mean, you throw those other two in, you're at, you're at all nine spots right there at the state meet. So yeah, it'll be really interesting to see sort of, um, and, and how, how much of this will be the call an all to vote approach of just pick your best event and like, let's go for it and not worry about put the blinders on and, uh, see what we can do and, and uh, or how much of it will be kind of a cat and mouse game, right? Of like, well, what is, what do I think she's going to do? Well, maybe we'll do this. You know, I, um, some coaches might take that approach. So and doing uh, them earlier and then scratching out for the state meet, right? Correct. Yeah. Probably most or all of them will run two distance events at the sectional for sure. Especially, yeah. I mean, but some, then you, some you've got to scratch in that time frame, right? You got to scratch then without having seen what everyone else is doing. Although it's no, technically, yes, it's 2022. So there's going to be live results. We're going to know people at various events and things like that. On the uh, boys side, it was a girls 1600, but the boys, we moved it back. It was a full mile for bus Ezra Burrell, 421 converts to 419 high for the 1600. I just updated the boys leaderboards earlier today during uh, student resource time at uh, Carmel High School. So uh, and, and Burrell won back-to-back weeks. He won at the uh, Indiana Runner Invite, I think is the exact name. And then he won the Indiana Runner Showcase, won at Trine and won at Taylor. So yeah, he's, good, he, he, had a good, he had a good spring last year. He scored in the 1600 as a sophomore, which is not, not easy to do. Yeah, good, good for Ezra. Um, like you said, a, a really good uh, spring last year. And he's off to a great start this year after, you know, battling through some injuries this past fall. So um, good to see him out there running well, looking comfortable, uh, putting down a, a pretty fast early season time. I think Ezra Burrell, if we can agree that next year Cole Matisson is the best distance runner, boys distance runner in Indiana. Well, there's no bias here, so I think we can agree on that. Um, right. So, but I, I think I think Ezra might be the second best. Um. Yes. There's a, there's a lot. There's a lot of good boys distance runners. Yeah. That's why I just all of the seniors kind of or somebody think, else. But yeah. I think Ezra is up. Uh, he's certainly in the conversation. He's at the table. Hundred percent. Yeah. Hundred percent. I mean, he's got. Um, he's got the range, right? Um, he he runs a fast 800 time all the way. Obviously, his 5K is really good. Um, he can show up in the big meets. That's also important. I think he's typically run well in the big meets. Um, so I think that, you know, Ezra definitely deserves that. Uh, he could really solidify that number two position this spring as we get later on into the season. Uh, but yeah, I think it would be, you'd be hard pressed to find someone who would be ahead of Cole Matisse and 
but that number two, he could kind of pull away from that. You know, again, if we go with the term one B pack, that would be, uh, you know, it could very well be him, but it could also be his teammate and Cameron Todd. He could, right, make a right. he could legitimately give him. So maybe his biggest competition, if you want to say for the number two kid in the state uh, going into next year, it could be the guy who puts on the same uniform. And even the, there was a third, Mateo Rosio was a third guy that would beat both of them at the state meet in cross country this past, this past fall. Right. So that was the Indiana runner showcase, a good meet this year. I think, um, I think next year, probably an even bigger one. Typically there were, there were more numbers to that. And one of the things we found out was because of availability of these venues, we had to push it back another week or two and coming just a few days before the competition window um, opened for official team meets, official team meets that uh, that probably cut down on the numbers a little bit, but always, always a good meet. And I think it'll be even bigger next year. Some other topics uh, to talk about boys team depth Brownsburg versus Carmel. We haven't seen much and we'll get into your team rankings here. Um, certainly center Grove has the most coming back from last year. We haven't seen much from Center Grove yet. They've got their own really nice facility. Um, I think a lot of their guys haven't gone. Now, Parker Mambella ran really well at the uh, Indiana Runners Showcase. We haven't seen a lot from their sprinters. But let us let me go through some of these events. And these are events that – now, Brownsburg's got one star, a guy that could win multiple events at the state meet. Correct. Carmel's got one star, a guy that could potentially win multiple events at the state meet. Correct. But then as you look through the team depth here, these are in events that have a relay where that could really matter. In the 60 dash on the leaderboard, Brownsburg has five boys in the top 25 and Carmel has four boys in the top 25. Thank you. In the 200, so now we're talking like four by one or four by four. Yep. Brownsburg has three boys. Carmel has three boys. 400. So four by four. Brownsburg has four boys. Carmel has three boys. 800, right? So four by eight. Carmel has five. Right. Something or nothing to that amount of depth. And, and granted that a lot of it is, you know, those are just teams that have been active early on at these meets. That it's not the times to get onto the leaderboards and the 400 and 800 are not insane. Right. It's like some of those sure. boys are like 207 or 54. Or whatever. Yeah. But we also know these were two of the best teams in the state based off returners and based off history and just personnel. So it's not, it's not surprising. There is something to it. Um, you have to have depth for the very reason that you talked about with the relays. Right. Um, and the only, or the, or the other thing I would mention when we talk about the 60 dash, the two, the four, um, we, we, you're not counting their hurdles, whether it's the one tens or the three hundreds, we're not counting long jump points, uh, or potential high jump points. So I think that, um, you, you know, like, it kind of gives a, an idea of where, where the two teams are um, and that they're early on, at least I'll give you a sneak peek here, the two best teams in the state, in my opinion. Um, but in terms of what things will look like in Bloomington uh, in June, um, you'll remember some of those field events 
uh, and hurdle events because, you know, they, they will uh, play a fact, obviously play a factor, but I mean, both teams will have individuals in those events uh, who will contribute to the overall team score. So um, I, I think they're pulling away from the field, but you mentioned center Grove and we knew, you know, we know what center Grove has in the fall from having a, a podium cross country team podium level. And um, the, uh, they have a great depth facility and, and it's kind of been since then their MO to maybe, you know, focus on some maybe dual meets or tri meets uh, from their home facility and um, choose not to go to as many indoor meets. And that's, that's fine. Whatever coach Moore feels like that's as best for his team. And like you said, they have a, a great spot down there. I mean, we'll see uh, them at the, at the Mick um, or at least we'll see results. We will, we will not see them we, at the Mick. Well, we could, we could spectate. We could potentially, buy a ticket um but uh, taylor center girls not in the mic either oh shoot that's right that's awkward gosh we're all ever know who's in the mic anymore i don't know i'll tell you who's not yeah well two teams i can tell you now um okay i'm the i guess thinking back to to them kind of doing that for a while but um, anyway, the, the point is we probably won't get a, a good clear look on the team until we get into uh, the HSR finals then. Um, but uh, you know, we, we know that they deserve a, a top top five, top four kind of ranking uh, based off the returners and we'll see what comes. So meets can start this week and some teams even have outdoor meets on the schedule. Like I think they're supposed to be a Westfield North Central meet this week. And guess what? Randomly, Really nice weather for a meet. Yeah. So we're supposed to have one the next week, the week after this, and I don't, I don't see a day. At least at the extended forecast, I'm not seeing a day in there for our meet. Um, but yeah, kind of randomly a nice, a nice weather week this this week for potential outdoor meets. Yeah, that's good for you know it's tough with the indoor meets because you know, you get limited number of kids can participate. And if you're a coach of a big school, like you and I, um, that's hard on all the other kids, right? They train hard. They, they've been there since November, December, whenever, and um, they're ready to compete and show what they can do. So it's awesome uh, that the weather will cooperate and get out there and give a chance for others. Uh, this came up uh, in practice the other day. And, you know, as a, as a distance coach or distance minded coach, maybe you have a different number in mind, but uh, what would be the, you know, uh, minimum uh, temperature that you would like to have an outdoor meet in uh, early March, right? I mean, these things are put on the schedule in part because of the uncertainty last year with indoor, no indoor last year. And so we were trying to find opportunities and then uh, some schools have always sort of wanted to have maybe an outdoor for more uh, kids to participate um, or don't like the indoor format or whatever. But we think about the weather, like you said, cooperating for this week and, and maybe next week, maybe not. But what would be the minimum temperature that you would want uh, your kids to compete in for 50. an outdoor track meet? 50 is the high. And even that, I think, is a little low because... I mean, our school gets out at four o'clock, right? So what's the, what's the earliest we can start an outdoor meet? Six? Uh, realistically six, yeah. Yeah, so six. So if it's the high is 50, meet starts at six, and our meets are going to, you know, we got a dual meet, Carmel against Westfield, Carmel against Fishers, Carmel against Hamilton Southeastern. Like, that's, 
so the meet's going to be three hours and so the high is 50, but what is, what is it at eight o'clock or eight 15 when we're trying to run the 200 and the four by fours? Yeah. 42. Is that warm enough? I don't know. So I, I think it's, I think it's tough. And I think it's tough because they might be tough to convince a, an entire athletic department. It's not warm enough for an outdoor track. meet. like, what are you talking about? It's a high of 48 degrees where we have a lacrosse game tonight. Like, yeah, but it's the, it's the explosion. It's the sitting around, it's being out there for three hours. And then kids in the hurdles, kids in the 200 kids in the four by four and their third events, fourth events. And it is dark and it's 39 degrees. It's, it's tough. It's tough. So my number was also 50 and for similar reasons, but like you said, it, you know, it gets really difficult. Um, and uh, because, you know, you want to keep kids healthy, you want to give them a season um, and, and it gets cold fast, especially this time of year. And then if you have to, if you, let's say running an abbreviated meet is not an option, then that makes it even more difficult because, um, you know, if you could say, hey, we're going to, instead of the, the 16 traditional events that we would have, we're going to have maybe 10 of those and we can get it done before it gets too cold and kids get a chance to, to compete. Um, and it's early, so all that's fine. Um, but, you know, some either coaches or athletic directors would prefer, um, you know, hey, if we're going to have this, this meet, we're going to do, we're going to do it all from A to Z. I think we need to be, as track and field is a sport that doesn't necessarily need to limit participation like a team sport, right? Basketball, you can only get five kids on the court at a time. You can only have so many teams. Football, you can only have 11 kids on the field. Soccer, same thing, right? But track and field doesn't have limited participation. Neither does cross country. There doesn't necessarily, doesn't need to. But we need to rethink some of the things that we do so that more kids can get a chance to participate and still be, still be thinking about people's time because and the sun goes down. Roger Rocktell is the girls track coach at Westfield. And I were talking about this on Saturday, like where, you know, where our schools are, once the sun gets down to a, a decent level, it still may be sunny for another 30 or 40 minutes, but it gets significantly colder when it's dipped below the line of the bleachers. And right. that's going to happen really, really early at these schools. And it's just going to feel, and then there, it's a, it, it, it turns into a safety issue when it's that cold and you're doing these explosive track events. Yeah. Yeah. But in, so, indoor is great, but then indoor, there's not that many indoor facilities. There's no indoor dual meets. So we've got um, to limit, limit participation on that. Although I suppose we could have a Carmel Center Grove, you know, as our conference meet, we have a conference dual meet, unlimited participation. Yeah. Don't, yeah. don't show up to the Mick meet. We're not. Text, text, Ken, text Ken Browner if you want that meet. Shout out. He'll hear you out. Uh, HSR series begins this week too. Uh, yeah, this will be exciting. So first time since uh, the 20, uh, you know, 19, well, I guess the 2020 kind of got to start a little bit, but we didn't finish it out. But uh, since 2019 season, um, HSR finals will be in Bloomington at the beautiful Indiana University, where it's always sunny and 70. And we love it down there. Um, so it'll be exciting to see the HSR format. Um, my team, the team I'm a part of, will be traveling to Indiana Wesleyan this Saturday. And I believe the boys squad has the weekend off. Is that correct? We're going to Wesleyan on the 
12th and we're going to UND on the 19th. So we're not going anywhere this weekend. There we go. So um, meets underway and we'll start to see the, the leaderboard populate and we'll start to see the uh, direct athletics rankings going on and um, kind of get an idea of who's got what and, and a relay format. So it's, it's, a, it's a fun fun way to kind of get the season going. So, so may, yeah, mainly relays and then the individual events would be uh, field events, mm -hmm. 60 dash, 60 hurdles, and 3,200, right? That's it. That is correct. Along with your long jump, high jump, and pole vault, shot put. Yeah. Not the discus. Can't do that inside. Well, you could, but you have to tell us, hey, let's duck, right? Be careful. Watch out for this Frisbee going. So let's talk, uh, let's talk training, training periodization leading up to some of these. What are, what are some of your philosophies on that? We're on, we're on coach's corner now. What are some of your philosophies on training periodization? What are you doing to get ready for some of these kind of indoor meets, whether that be like a, like a non-school, you know, like the club meet this weekend, right? The Indiana runner meet. Right. Or even indoors in general. Well, we don't really, I mean, I wouldn't say we do anything special or anything different, particularly for like the, you know, Indiana runner meet or, or whatever, since it's so early. Right. Um, you know, the kids have come off a long cross country season. Um, you know, you typically, you know, we we've backed off a little bit, let them recover throughout the winter and start to pick it up slowly. Um, you know, so we, we don't, do anything uh to get excited or gear up for it um you know we, we talk to the kids and um sometimes it's you know hey i ran this time in uh in october what about well think about what shape you were in october we were doing leading up there hang tight it'll come right it'll be there um so you know we try to emphasize that you know it's really just an opportunity to compete again right for you know for many that's a long time out and then if you know that that's from the cross country or distance perspective and then the the your track athletes like they haven't raced uh potentially you know in in quite a while on the sprint side right going back to the state meet especially if maybe they're a football player or they uh maybe they play club soccer on the girls side and they're not uh competing in uh you know uh in, into the summer or what have you on the on the track side so um you know, nothing, uh, nothing special, not, nothing different. Um, you know, we, we want them to race hard and try their best, but whatever that means. And then keeping in mind that the goals are, are later on down the line. So what, what would you say you do? Well, I think I've, I've stepped up, you know, recently with the podcast and, and presenting at the clinic. And so I, uh, I, I don't know if this is necessarily my shtick or if I'm on a hard corner as being the like aerobic development guy, almost mm -hmm. kind of the, you know, cause there's, there's a lot of sprints coaches now, Tony Hollers is one he's, he's been at the clinic and stuff. And his whole thing is feed the, you know, feed the cats, fun, short stuff. And I know nothing about sprinting training, so I'm not here to say the, the veracity of any of that, but uh, we are weeks away from doing anything on the track. We haven't even, our, our, our guys actually today at the end of their run did two 200s. I told them at their 800 race pace. And then a lot of guys came in and told me they ran them in 29 seconds and they are not 159 guys. So, um, and I don't think that's probably, it's, they're like, well, is that too fast? And I was like, well, I, it's probably fine. But, but this was the first time that we, our boys had even looked at the track so far. And uh, yeah, we are, we are two weeks away from 
any kind of intervals on the track. And even those will be kind of more aerobic. Yeah. VO2 type things um, that we might get to before the HSR meet, but. You know, I think one there's thing something about the power of consistency. Yeah. And, and one thing that's important to remember, and one thing that you do a really great job of um, is uh, recognizing that like, it's a long season and, and our goals are, are later on. Right. And that, um, you know, we have to resist the urge to do too much too soon. And often that comes from, you know, outside pressures, you know, maybe that's uh, a kid who, you know, feels like, Hey, I have to really prove myself for a spot on the varsity team this year. Right. Or, um, you know, I'm, I'm being coached from the outside and this individual says that, you know, Carl, you are, that's right. Uh, very important that I do well now, right. Or, uh, you're, you're that junior or really that senior and you're looking for, yep. Hey, but uh, I, I really want to compete next year, right. I want to go to college. I want to race it at the next level. And I just really have to show myself because coach at this one school that I really want to go yep. to said, I really need to run X time for to be taken seriously. So I, I got to go all in and put, you know, to run really well right now. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that probably plays a role. As I, well. you, you, you know, you, we've known each other for a long time now, you know, right. Where to put the pins to make me go. I, that is the number, the number one way to a not fun track season. That is the number one thing I got to run this time. I got to do this thing. And that's, that's the thing I, I've gone back to, especially last year and this year is let's just try to, there's so much pressure on a lot of these kids. And it's like, let's just try to have a fun track season. We had a kid last year, he was going to a school, but he could maybe get some more scholarship money if he could run certain times. And there were times that were within his uh, capabilities. But I remember a couple of times it's like, well, he really wants to run this, you know, hearing from whoever he really wants to run this time. Cause then it's like, that's nope. Like we're going to, let's go out, let's go to the meets. Let's do the best we can. Let's stick to our training plan so you can run your best in May. But boy, that is the, I heard, a, I heard one kid kind of say this. He was trying to get a time to qualify for a meet or whatever on Saturday. It's like, man, that is a key to a not fun track season. All yeah. that pressure and doing stuff that's, that's, doing stuff that's to get yourself ready for some of these meets that happen in February or March or whatever, and chasing stuff early and cutting corners and skipping certain steps, man, that is the key to, to not have fun in the spring, to not have fun at all. Particularly toward the end of the season, you know, you can only go, you can only go in for so long, right? I mean, you can't, right. You can't just crush it for 12 weeks in a row. And well, how, yeah, how far are we away right now from the, from the outdoor state meet, the real state meet? I mean, we're three plus months, right? Yeah, it's, it's more like 14 weeks. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think the HSR meet is like 12 weeks away, 11 or 12 weeks away from the, from the state meet. So, and that right. high school kids are not, not made to withstand that kind of, intensive training both both physically and psychologically I think oh, that's really but really but colin uh, the collegiate guys do that all the time and i yeah because they're 23 year old the, men taylor but i just watched the conference meet and i just saw this guy he was just crushed it and he ran really well in cross country and he's going to come out here in a couple weeks in outdoor and just be be amazing like what do you mean like i just copy and pasted the workout that his coach posted about him what do you like what don't do that 
the other thing too is we're talking about um, periodizing your training and when you do track stuff and i've kind of like emphatically our boys haven't touched the track yet which is true i mean that's and and we're a long a long ways away from doing that um and we've also seen we've we've coached kids certainly and heard you know they get out kicked at the end Mm -hmm. in the last hundred meters of the 800 or whatever and it's like, we got to do, I feel slow. We got to do track stuff. That is not what you did not get out kicked because of that. I watched, I watched one of our guys who runs 60 miles a week, really close in the last 150 meters on Saturday in the 800. And you do not get out kicked because of lack of speed work. You get run away from at the beginning, maybe for lack of speed work, but you do not get out kicked because you haven't done intervals yet. Well, and then the other thing is, you know, uh, you and I are fortunate because we get to see the same kids and we get to see them year round now. Right. And that sometimes because of, um, you know, whether this coach who is uh, by all means, well-intentioned isn't in the building, isn't a teacher, you know, maybe has other commitments or they're not coaching year round um, that, you know, changes in philosophy happen and, you know, coaches have different, uh, different opinions on, on what's important and, you know, I think that kind of plays a plays a factor as well, right? Just you know, who, how, how many different uh, people are right? Kind of well, and there's decisions. There's the power of we talked about the power of consistency in terms of training and going out and running an 800, and you haven't even run that pace at all, but right. yet you, you hold up pretty well and run. You know, your best time last year was 208. And that's after that's in May on a really nice day at the end of the season, after you've done some track work and run the 800, five, six, eight times. And then the first meet you come out and run 207. You know, we had, we had at least one boy do that. Um, who's right. Sisters on your team who almost won a race. And that's the power of consistency with training and aerobic development and things like that. But there's also the power of consistency and continuity within a program. I think that's right. I think that's important that they've the one potentially one one singular voice for for four years and eight seasons is is important yeah that's not everybody has that option right so all right man hey mount rushmore who are your top four teams right now okay girls first year so we're going with the girls first um i'll say number four warren central um return a lot of great uh, girls and it's a dynasty right there, right? I mean, you, yeah, you want to talk about continuity? The same coach for what the last 10, 15 years? Yeah, just absolutely incredible. Always right. solid at the state meet. Always find a way to make it work. Yeah, always belong in the conversation right there. Uh, three would be Zionsville. Um, a good combination of uh, explosive athletes and the, a strong distance program. And everybody back. All their yeah, all their scores, all their difference makers back from last year. Yeah. And, and, you know, should should bounce back really well from the fall. Uh, Fort Wayne Northrop, this is number two, right? This is we talk about an individual who can carry you across the line, right, with uh, TJ McKenzie. There's no doubt that, um, you know, she is an athlete who could score quite a few points, whether that's by herself or contribute on a relay. Um, and then if we're getting down to who has the best uh, individual athlete um, in the right areas, then it, it's going to be Ramai Elliott at North Central. So, um, you know, the Ramai Elliott show for, for number one right there. Um, and if they can find, you know, a little bit here or there to complement, then uh, that might be enough to get it done. But um, those are my, my top four on the girls' side. 
All right, flip that mountain around. Mount Rushmore, boys' side, top four. Boys' side, number four, Columbus North, right? Uh, obviously, a strong business program. We know all about it. Uh, best thrower in the nation out there. Um, you know, that's going to uh, really help quite a bit. Uh, so Columbus North is going to be right there in the mix. Uh, number three, the team we talked about, uh, the kind of we have to wait to see exactly what they have on their side, but they return a lot of guys, and that's Center Grove, right? Uh, so Center Grove looks really good. Um, you know, a couple of their distance guys have raced, and um, we'll see a debut from their sprinter soon, I'm sure. Uh, and then this is where it gets down to those top two teams that we looked at more in depth, right? Um, and you know, the big kind of, uh, factor for me was, um, you know, the types of events that you can, uh, show up and do three or four of at the state meet on, uh, you know, June third uh, or fourth or whatever, when it's 80 degrees outside. Um, so I, I think, uh, Carmel would be my number two right now. Um, you know, lots of depth that Colin went through, uh, in the sprint events, and we know how strong their distance program is, and they've got, um, you know, the best distance runner uh, who will be at the state meet uh, in the state. And then uh, Brown Brownsburg would be number one. Then so Brownsburg's got the sprinters. They've got uh, the relays built around and they can get some uh, field events out of some of those guys in the, in the long jump, um, not to mention the hurdling. So I think Brownsburg um, is probably built the best right now for the state meet. Um, but it, it's pro gosh, it's like a it could be, you know. Those those three that I named in Center Grove and Carmel and Brownsburg could shuffle around later on in the year, but they're just they're just so strong right there. Miscellaneous minute may take longer than a minute. Okay. I'm I'm cautiously optimistic, but very optimistic that we are nearing the end. Two years, almost two years after almost exactly two years the start the start of the pandemic the start of COVID to me was the Rudy Gobert game remember that um yeah he got sick and was out right yeah, yeah. so Rudy Gobert is a professional basketball player plays for the Utah Jazz and he was the first major professional athlete to get COVID and they didn't play that game they played the rest of the games that night and then the NBA shut down and then one by one everything started kind of fall all the dominoes kind of fell into place and within a matter of two weeks, it felt like the whole world was shut down. Yeah. And that's been two years now. One of my claims to fame, I they've got, you know, FanDuel, DraftKings, whatever, you can bet $5 on a game. I bet on the Rudy Gobert game. I logged into my account to see how it was going, and they put the money back in, and I was like, what, what happened? Huh. It turns out the game was canceled. In fact, the whole season was canceled. Yeah. So it was school, so it was everything. Life. So here we are, and, and certainly I, I, I like to live, you know, I prefer living my life and going to work and doing all the things that we do. Do you ever think back, do you ever, do you ever get nostalgic about the, the shutdown? Do you ever get nostalgic about the pandemic? Um, the first two weeks of the school shutdown, so March 13th, Friday the 13th, March 13th, 2020, that was my first day off, essentially, right? Not at school. Um, I, think we I think we went in that day and we met with all our classes to be like, hey, here's what it's going to look like when we do e-learning or whatever. Yeah. So the first two weeks, I am nostalgic about because, you know, it came at the right time. 
you know, teachers understand this, right? You're almost at spring break. It's a long haul throughout second semester. Um, it was nice and refreshing, um, particularly when you're, you know, someone who, who spends about 12 hours a day at the school, right? So it's nice to have that time off and kind of rest and recoup and, oh, this is kind of fun. I don't have to go to school and, you know, I get to watch uh, Netflix and kind of hang around and, um, but you know, that Ozark that, was in its peak. Yeah. I, I got to start at Ozark and watch, uh, watch it through in about a day and a half. And, uh, you know, that was really neat. But after that two weeks, man, you just really want to go back and you just really want to see the kids again and really want to kind of get back to what, you know, you knew was normal and, uh, you, you had your break. And then, um, I remember being, you know, hopeful and, and you, you listen to the governor because you had nothing else to do during the day. Like you, you turn on the TV, you hear the updates, uh, you, you hear what the governor has to say. You listen to what the IHSA says and you think, okay, well, maybe it's, you know, maybe it's May 1st. Maybe that's our day. We're, we're gearing up for May 1st. Hang in there, guys. Do this on your own. And, you know, here's some good idea, you know, just, and then we get to like mid-April and it gets pretty clear that May 1st looks like it's just not going to happen. And then eventually they make a call, but um, so I guess if you want to talk about nostalgia, the first two weeks of that was nice. Um, after that, it just, um, you're just sort of waiting and hoping and trying to see some form of light at the end of the tunnel that I think we're probably at now, like you said. Uh, well, I mean, now we're, most schools have gone to, to no mask policy. Yeah. And they recently switched to no, at least in our district, no mask policy on the buses. Right. And no seating charts. Coaches do not need to document anymore. So it, to me, it feels like we're at least at, at the end of a lot of this. I think so. I think, uh, and, and the CDC is changing their guidance. And I think some other government agencies are doing that too in the next few weeks. So um, we, we may be here at the end for the most part um, outside of what might be consider the standard flu season, right? Just like, you know, regular. And I think that's a big part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, uh, it's good. I, I hope that, I hope that's the case. I think no matter how anybody feels about, uh, you know, whatever COVID or masks or, or e-learning or whatever, I mean, uh, I think what everybody wants is to kind of, you know, be happy and healthy and do the things that we've always loved to do. And, um, I think we're probably almost there, if, if not there right now. Maybe a little bit hesitant to just say, you know, say go. Cautiously optimistic. Cautiously optimistic. But here, yeah, here we are two years later. I, I definitely feel periods of nostalgia, but I, I, it's, it's probably more like the exact point that I was at in my life that having two to three months, I had a nine month old kid at the time and my wife worked for the state. And so, you know, I did all this. I, I could do all that while she was working. I had to watch our kid. He was nine months. Right. So it wasn't like you, I couldn't be actively zooming or whatever while that was going on. So I would kind of work while he was asleep and, sh and then I would kind of watch him while she, and that's like, you know, that's time I would never have gotten otherwise. Right. But I also think I remember listening to uh, Chuck Klosterman. He's a writer. He's on Bill Simmons podcast. 
And he was talking about, he wrote a book about the 90s and he talks about nostalgia and the actual root of the word nostalgia is not just remembering something, but it was, it's misremembering. It's taking all of the stuff that, that made something bad and you're not remembering that. And you like, like thinking back to your own childhood, I don't really remember any poor weather days. I remember the, the just very specific days of riding on the bus and it was always 75 degrees and it felt good because you don't remember the bad parts that I'm sure there's stuff to that. The boredom and the fear and the confusion of the pandemic. But right. I do remember, you know, like the, the just kind of waking up and, you know, taking care of a nine month old kid and he takes a nap and I hold him while he takes a nap and I watch Ozark with my headphones on. I don't know. Yeah, I think, you know, there are definitely ways people made the best of that situation. Um, but, you know, having spent a lot of time around kids and talked to parents and things, um, I think one thing we've learned is just how important being social and being present with one another is uh, oh, yeah. for the development of high schoolers, right? As we, you and I work with high schoolers right well um, it's like yeah. like when there's it might snow right and we're like oh maybe it'll be a delay tomorrow maybe it'll be e-learning we can get the day off and yeah. i think what we found the number one thing we found out through the pandemic in terms of education uh, you know our career is like hey a day off or two days off is cool you know what's not cool three months off right like yeah i don't mind a surprise day off it's like all right well you know put your feet up and like, okay, well, Hey, there's nowhere to go. Try to run your treadmills or bike or whatever for a day. But when it, when it, when it expands to three months off, that's not, that's not great. Right. Yeah. I'm glad that it looks like we're at least for now done with it, you know, and that's, it's a great thing. It's a great thing that we can talk about in HSR finals that we can talk about a track season that we're confident will end in uh, Bloomington in June, you know, at this time last year, I don't know if we could necessarily have said that. Uh, and obviously it didn't end up in Bloomington, but you know, it right. Finally we did it, get through a whole season last year. We did. Um, it would look different, but we got through it. And um, you know, we think about those kids and how exciting it is and, you know, taking advantage of opportunities and, you know, that class of 2020 that uh, didn't have, the ability to finish out their high school career, um, but have since been able to either, you know, uh, compete the next level or, you know, find a, find a new uh, part of their life. So, you know, there are highlights there. All right. So that that's our early indoor roundup. Three, three months of a track season. It's going to be great. Can't wait. Can't wait. All right. I'll see you every day for the next 25 to 30 years. See ya.